0: Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,
0: Hello, welcome back to the second part of this programme, which will feature regular presenter Nicholas Mulroy and guest Thomas Guthrie. I'm Robert Hollingworth, and as this goes to press, I'm just back from the BBC Singers late night prom in the Albert Hall. It was a wonderful advertisement for what choral concerts could become, in some instances, with the right attitude to programming and, importantly, core funding to back it up. But that is generally not how we run professional vocal groups in this country. If you're listening in France or Germany, you'll find that very odd. There were three pieces. Joanna Marsh's Scene for Voices and Live Sound Manipulation by Glenn Scott. So, 2023 technology. Great. I love this piece that referenced lost or silenced female voices and asked the question, who gets to tell my story? I wonder whether there's a potential visual aspect to this piece as well. Commission that, anyone? Then there's my favourite piece of 20th century choral music, Daniel Azur's Song of Songs, Le Cantique des Cantiques, 20 minutes of rich mid-20th century French writing for 12 voice parts. Its text is apparently sensual poetry, but from the Old Testament book of the Song of Songs. Daniel Azur's son says that he thinks his father would have enjoyed the ambivalence of whether this is religious or not and reminded there's a whole Choral Chihuahua app on this piece with Eamon and me. Then finally, we had a brilliant piece by Sumik Datta called Awaz, referencing 75 years of partition of Pakistan from India. Like the Marsh, it was previously commissioned by the BBC Singers and premiered last year. Remember, you only get to put out fantastic pieces like these in the proms if you take the risk and commission the music in the first place. Great that they were getting further performances i thoroughly encourage you to go to the bbc website and listen to the whole piece but here's the end with aref durvesh and pratha pramachandra vocalizing as well as playing along with composer sumik data on his sarod and the bbc singers very evidently having the time of their life you can tell because if the basses are bopping then everyone is <laughs> I'm gonna Sensational. Whole concert conducted by the BBC Singer's chief conductor, Sophie Jeunin, though in that piece she was absolutely allowing the players to lead on rhythm. While we're praising the BBC Singers to the Skies, let's also remember that they have a 50-50 gender policy on composers they perform too. In the audience, it was nice to bump into fellow singers. Uh, I spotted singers from Stile Antico, Swan Consort. Epiphany Consort, ex-King Singers, uh, Marian Consort, the laryncologist Declan Costello was there. Uh, several composers, apart from Joanna Marsh, whose music was featured, there were a large number of people from, I'm guessing, an Indian ethnic background, perhaps come to enjoy the wonderful piece Awaz, or maybe because they just loved Daniel Lazio, I don't know. I'm just mentioning all this because the BBC Singers was due to have been entirely axed before the proms happened this year. I don't know what the news is here about what sort of reprieve they're on. Obviously, still a worry for the singers. If anyone wants to come on from the BBC Singers Management and and update us, that would be great. When I posted about this concert, one professional singer replied and pointed out that for the rest of us in the UK, without core funding, it's getting fairly desperate and becoming almost impossible to run professional vocal groups and to be a professional freelancing in the way that we have for years. Promoters seem largely to have less money Travel is less and less reliable and, of course, everything else is going up in price. So, of course, we set up supporters groups, which listeners like you surely know about and help out with. Thank you. sine qua non. Anyway, let's get on with the main interview. Robert Quinney, Director of Music at New College Oxford, where Eamon and I studied at different times in the dim and dusty past. And after that, Tom Guthrie is there with Nicholas continuing the sense of our previous chat before we all too briefly join Eamon with young singer Ellie Stamp. Dottore, Dottore. Robert.
3: Nice to see you. How are you? That's the official Robert, Robert. It is. Introduction. Oh, Robert. Fiat Panda, the car built by Roberts. Did you see that? Not no, the News
0: 1984 or yeah. something.
3: Fantastic. Pass it down to Bob. Um,
0: what would you yeah. like? I'd like a Cortado, please
4: interrupted
5: cadence.
2: Nice. (laughs) So
0: now sitting with with Robert on the top floor of Gatehouse Coffee with its frankly unparalleled view of the York Ring Road system.
3: And Jenny's Fish and Chips. Janie's Fish and Chips.
0: Um, Ex-York graduates will know immediately where where that is, and the police as well. Um, welcome to York. This programme needs to start with an apology, because I thought you were doing a lunchtime recital today, so I failed to realise that you performed the whole of Vaughan Williams' Fifth Symphony last night in your own arrangement. I
3: did, I did. Yes, I gave a recital at the Minster yesterday evening. And uh, it's the first time in my career that I've actually solicited a recital. But I'm, uh, Some years ago, I started arranging the Fifth Symphony of Vaughan Williams, which I've, I've you know, loved. Since I heard it as a teenager, and I thought I'd work pretty well on the organ, so I, I, I arranged the third movement and played that quite a bit, and started work on the rest of it. And then, like everything, usually in, in every aspect of my life, it left it, it was left unfinished <laughs> until Ben Nicholas, my colleague at Merton, said, "Could you come and play your Vaughan Williams arrangement, um, meaning just the third movement?" Uh, they were having a little Horn Williams Festival last year and I said well why don't I try and do the whole thing so I'm in quite a hurry and I was on sabbatical that term so I had time finished it off played it at Merton then I thought well that was lovely but what it really needs is a symphonic organ and Mm. where would be a good place to play it and can I actually bear to solicit a recital because it's desperately uncool to write to somebody and say please can I give a recital Uh, but I did I wrote to Robert Sharp at at York Minster Um, having heard wonderful things about the restored organ and mm. he very kindly took me up on the offer um, amazingly, so it was a, just a tremendous pleasure, but Yorkminster York means a huge amount to me because I, I sang a week of services there as a 12 year old When you a, were at Dundee Well in fact it was after that, so we'd moved from Dundee to Sheffield, I, I had sung in Dundee Cathedral Choir for a couple of years but that was one of those choirs that does I think, I think it was Sunday mornings and maybe Sunday even song and a couple of rehearsals in the week we moved to Sheffield, and I didn't sing in the cathedral there, which would have been a similar experience. I sang in a parish church choir, but the Royal School of Church Music operated a Northern Cathedral Singers, which was made up of—I mm. mean, loads and loads—all boys, of course. Um, loads of kids from from parish churches around the north of England. There was a Southern equivalent as well, conducted by a man called John Cook, who was sort of godlike to me. And there were these residential courses, 1988 when I was 12 in York and the following year mm. in Ripon. And the experience of coming into the Minster every day and singing Evensong, preparing that music, and that very quick turnover, the kind of smash and grab of, 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 the, of the choral tradition mm. as it's articulated in these choral foundations. Um, yeah, the 12-year-old me thought, I want to do this. This is what I, you know, and so really that set me on the path that I'm <laughs> clinging to. Is there, is there an issue with something like that, in that
0: you're the one person who can't really hear it in the building because you're there at the console?
3: Yes, and there's a slight cognitive, I suppose, dissonance to to it, because, and especially for the audience as well, because there is the organ up on the screen, um, and then the console... So just for,
0: for those not familiar with cathedrals, you don't mean... A, you mean the, the, the rude screen I but, mean oh. the...
3: yes, in, indeed... What's the the pulpitum is is the technical term, isn't it? So the the great big stone thing that divides the two major major bits of the cathedral, nave from choir. And it is huge and monumental at York, and so there is this very imposing organ in a case, and sort of spread around as well, up on that screen, on that stone screen. Then the audience sits in the nave, the main sort of huge space. Um, facing it, and in between the audience and the organ is the console. So what they see is me operating this thing, this console, keyboards, and you know the pedals. Because the console is is movable. It's movable for the for recital, so you can see. It's quite nice, I suppose, for the audience to see your clearly. back, the back. Exactly. Always on the back of your shirt. Yeah, right, absolutely. Um, and then they hear the sound coming from beyond me to them. It, it, it's slightly odd, but. In the great space of a building like the Minster, I mean, it sort of comes out in the wash, so to speak. It it doesn't... I think they quickly become accustomed to it. Um, Yeah, and for the player, the sound is sort of slightly being thrown over one's head toward the audience. So a technique that I picked up from the great organist Olivier Latry, he gave a recital Mm. at Westminster Abbey when I worked there, And I was astonished by his use of the organ. It's an organ I knew very well. I played it every day. He played Messiaen's La Nativité. Wow. Um, And it it just sounded fantastic. And there were combinations of stops that I couldn't work out. I couldn't work out what they were, so I asked him afterwards. And he said he does a lot of listening um, just to individual notes played on one stop against another stop. And then he listens in the echo to hear how they're going to blend. And he can sort of extrapolate from that how it's all going to work, because organs are often spread around over quite a large Mm. area of a building. Um, So you can start to intuit a sense, I suppose, of of how it's going to be.
0: Have some more cinnamon roll. How is the cinnamon roll? Very good, thank Mm -hmm. you. And on we talked. Uh, But at this stage we should have some music. I was going to... Well, I got to choose one piece and he got to choose the other and turned out to be a Magnificat and an Antimittis, though from different settings. So here we go with mine... I was gonna have just part of the New College service, which isn't one of Howells's most well known Mag and Nunks. Um but I have to say I hadn't sung it or heard it since ooh, since I last sang it in nineteen eighty eight or something. And as soon as I put it on, I just couldn't stop it. I hope you'll forgive me for this. Um Robert writes in the in the programme notes about this that um the New College service's howls at his sunniest and most straightforward. The chapel's dry acoustic does not allow for the ethereal atmosphere of the Gloucester or slow-burn grandeur of the St Paul's service. But I have to say, love it, love it, I, I, I do, and uh, I had my hands in the air um, gesticulating wildly at some of the big phrases for basses. Marvellous. This was recorded just last summer in New College Chapel with Robert conducting the Choir of New College and Donald McCann on the organ. beginning your 10th year a, a <laughs> yes. new where the heck did that come? I mean you, you succeeded Edward Higginbottom so Eamon and I who normally present uh, were uh, students of his and we feel he just left a couple of years ago but this is your 10th year
3: yes remarkable I think that's probably a reflection of the fact that Edward did 37 so you know until I've done at least half of that I suppose it will seem like I've only been there 5 minutes um, but yeah I'm about to start my 10th year and, and what, what's
0: the workload for the singers? Because I remember one of my reasons for choosing to apply to, to New College was that it was different from Christchurch and in different, different hours, a little bit shorter, giving us a little bit more time to do our own
3: thing. Is that still the case? It is, and the crucial difference is that, unlike the other two choral foundations, the junior choral foundations, because they're, they're younger than New College... Um, Naughty
0: smile as you said that.
3: Yeah, unlike those two wonderful places, um, we don't sing on a Sunday morning, uh, so that can mean lie-in, or it can mean sport, or it can mean singing elsewhere. Um, so even I, actually, quite often am to be seen playing the organ or directing the choir somewhere else on a Sunday morning.
0: But there isn't that um, crossover. It was always said that James Bowman, of very blessed memory, uh, used to sing at New College and then rush across to Christchurch to get an even song there the same, the same afternoon.
3: I think he did. It might be like it used to be at, at, at King's and St John's when I was a student in Cambridge that, that certain very keen punters would come to even so at King's at 5.30 and then race down Trinity Street to catch St John's at, I think, 6.15.
0: We know who those people are. Mm. Yeah. Now you have uh, female altars at the moment. Eddie Stamp, formerly of this parish, is currently one of your, your yep. back row. How does that work on the front row for Thoughts for the Future? Any sense of change there? Because obviously it's, it's, it's very flexible at the moment.
3: Yes, it's a kind of fluid situation, and we don't have any plans to to change um, because all of our choristers are at New College School, and New College School is an all-boys school, um, as indeed are the two other schools attached to the Coral Foundations in Oxford. Um, What's changed, in fact, since I arrived nearly ten years ago in Oxford, is that opportunities for girls have arrived where there were very few before. There, There was the Oxford Girls' Choir, but that's a secular choir. Now, the cathedral has a set of girl choristers, write Voices, mm-hmm. in which my younger daughter sings and my elder daughter was a founder member of that. And um, for a time, they were sort of peripatetic and moved between the three foundations. So they did, I think, Christchurch in Michaelmas, New College in Hillary, which is the term that starts in January. And um, Yeah, these
0: names refer to terms. Michaelmas
3: is the autumn term and
0: <laughs> Hillary is the spring, spring term. You just have to have a different name for it.
3: Yeah, we need a, a, a glossary Um, So yes, they they moved around uh, Christchurch, uh, New College and and Magdalen and then Christchurch have actually subsumed them within their foundation. Um, The difference is that those girls and indeed also the the excellent um, girl choristers at Merson are singing one service a week um, and not doing the full panoply of things. Um, If parents uh, wished for their daughter to sing a daily service, um, then... The opportunities are limited to places that board. Actually, I think now with with Windsor and um, uh, with where else? St John's now, which mixed. is a different
0: financial uh, question entirely. Yeah. Well, let's watch this space. Everything's changed so much in thirty years, and I'm sure it will continue to. And um, this, this is just a short interview, but um, tell us about a piece of music that that you absolutely love that we could play now and choose a choose a recording as well.
3: This piece is the Nunc Dimittis from a set of canticles that we commissioned from Deborah Pritchard a few years ago. The process by which we arrived at this piece that we just recorded um, last year uh, was not a completely straightforward one and that Deborah revised quite a bit. Um, it's rather wonderful to have a composer so involved with, with us. She came um, more than once simply to hear the choir sing evensong to get a sense of the space. Mm-hmm and the way that we sing.
0: Because New College is not your typical gothic large building, it's quite a dry dry building, I remember doing a lot of I'm enjoying the cinnamon roll um, quite a lot of, a huge amount of baroque music there with Edward and Whereas in some buildings that would just get lost, Uh, you could really do the detail in your college.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and indeed we still do that. I mean, we 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 sing a cantata every uh, Bach cantata every uh, term. We tend to sing a passion every year. We we do half the Christmas oratorio alternate years, Um, and it's a good building for that space. And actually, rather nice to do that music with the choir in the stalls, the instruments between in in in, in camera sort of. Um, Anyway, Deborah did come and 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 really listened. I think to to. how we, we, we do things and, and thought carefully about how she wanted the beast to sound and then indeed having um, had the first performance of it she revised quite a bit and in fact simplified it mm-hmm. so what we've ended up with is this nunc which is largely um, composed of canons between pairs of voices mm. um, and like canonic music you think of the, the glorious canons of Tallis and Bird in the 16th century um, where you know Different voices have the same music, but at a temporal difference. There is a hypnotic, kind of cyclic effect about mm-hmm. it. Um, timeless, you, you might say. Josca, um,
0: king. Agnes yeah. Day there. from the Sexy Tony Mass. Oh, yes. Yeah.
3: Um, it, it really evokes a sense of space and time. Um, peace, I suppose. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he's also very grateful to sing. These are beautiful lines, and singing in canon is also wonderful experience to hear what you're doing somewhere else as if it's an echo but it's continuing and you're, you're being drawn along this um, kind of track by the other voices um,
0: that that's an interesting polyphonic point isn't it in that I still maintain that if you're an audience you like hearing homophonic music mostly because as, as a singer you like seeing polyphonic music because you feel the movement against other parts mm. it's like being in a sort of someone's Medusa hairnet, you can feel this stuff moving around you and you know it's the same material, just slightly inflected but it's quite a difficult thing to listen to
3: polyphony. Yeah, I think that's right, um, and that's true of more recent music as well, I often think the music of Kenneth Layton, which is fabulous to perform, so involving it's quite a hard listen you know, and, and it's gritty and tough um, rather astringent music, though He's. I mean, he's so skilled. And he's. Um, I don't know whether you. You must know that fabulous, uh, Manly Hopkins setting, God's grandeur,
0: which we've been singing a lot for oh. Brian. Brian Johnston cake in mouth moment there. <laughs> yeah, we did it in our um, T. S. Eliot program, Rewilding the wayside. Oh, I mean, I think that is a work of absolute sublime magnificence. I'm trying not to say genius here, but it's. I was just when you said that, I thought, gosh, that's not my experience of. Of Leighton. You know, if you like fourths, you'll love
3: Oh absolutely. You'll love Leighton. But but he deploys homophony, um, all the voices sounding together, singing this text right at the end. I mean that kind of coup de grass at the end because the Holy Ghost. Mm. Goodness me. Mm. I mean, you know, goosebumps just thinking about it.
2: Because...
0: lovely moment at the end of um, God's Grandeur by Kenneth Layton, which was the starting point for a Joanna Marsh piece written for Pagellini that we're going to record this this year. She took the last line of that and set an Irish poem, uh, The World is Charged, oh. uh, which isn't the same poem. It's inspired by the... Yeah. Anyway, uh, one for another, another story. And Joe
3: wrote us a wonderful piece um, a few years ago, or Inni Spiritus, which mm-hmm. is on a text of Hildegard. Um, and uh, we have just taken around the States to great I mean, the audience has absolutely loved it. Wonderful, kind of. I think of.
0: she's she's the real thing, isn't yeah,
3: she? Fantastic.
0: Anyway, the Um This could have been much longer, but at least it was longer than the Martha McLaurin in her car episode. Um, safe journeys back to Oxford. We'll try to send you a, the odd other good singer down from down from York. Well,
3: thanks for Elliot She's she's been an absolutely wonderful addition to the choir this this year. So mm. this is New College Choir recorded last year on the hottest day on record where New College Chapel was the best place to be because it actually doesn't get much direct sunlight so it's pretty cool uh, singing Deborah Pritchard's Nunc from her New College service.
0: The Nunc from Deborah Pritchard's New College Service, from that uh, new album on Lynn Records' New College Commissions and Premiers, just recorded uh, just a year ago. Um, and as so often, the microphone goes off, and we have as interesting a conversation off-mic as we did on-on. But there was one other little thought, uh, or a little story he, he recounted, which I thought would resonate with people. Here it is.
3: With the, with the children... Uh, And I've seen this with all the children I've worked with in in my career. I remember very particularly when I was... I was very briefly director of music at Peterborough Cathedral before I came from New Mm. College. Anyway, we did a performance of the Matthew Passion with the Peterborough Choral Society. And the choristers of the cathedral were being drafted in. And I thought, well, we don't have much time on this. Um, They can sing the ripieno in in the, the first movement and the chorales... And if we've got a bit of time, we'll 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 look at the other choruses, um, but they probably won't sing very many of them. And I made up vocal scores for them, wrote in the translation. Um, we were singing in German, and we just would look at it, get the senior boys and girls together once or twice a week, and over the course of one term, they learnt the whole piece, and they absolutely wouldn't not learn it because they found the music so incredibly compelling, um, and so there's a kind of inbuilt you know externally it looks like ambition but it's not really that it's just a kind of internal drive to to know this music to kind of have it um and I I think that works on kind of every level with with singers
0: well Robert Quinney there and isn't that just that's that's just so true of all the creative arts isn't it you know dance an actor or a painter they'd surely recognize that need to understand art and and to participate in it i mean that's why your 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 music and theatre charity exists tom I,
6: I, yeah and being creative and, and i think that that's you know i think th- actually what music theatre for all is about is sort of challenging the notion the, the notion of elite um, art in the sense in a very conceptual way uh, in the sense that it's all all storytelling is, is com- in some way community and and necessarily any th- storytelling of quality needs to have be embedded in that and we've we've again this 20th century sort of traditions that have have i'm talking about singing i'm just about to with the Alehouse boys to release this schubert song cycle it's coming out soon um again taking the opportunity to 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 challenge to put this attitude of of putting the audience first of relaxed situations not not just to break it down or to dumb it down in any way but to actually say this is what the true quality where the true quality is so to say that you have to go somewhere elite and expensive or or, or unwelcoming in any way to, to to ordinary people is 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 counter to to a, a absolute genuine quality I, I think and that's what the, the charity is really about uh, and I, f- I find myself talking quite a lot about that because it's a fight for funders it's a fight in every way to say that uh, and actually so to well i'll finish that sentence to to say that outreach is is out, outreach is even a thing outreach i mean what does it even mean and there was a wonderful article by lynn gardner who writes in the stage a lot and the guardian always writes fantastic uh, stuff about this sort of thing about where where quality is um and actually richard morrison we've already mentioned did in a recent article as well talked about some of the best art is is in in the community is is local and, and for me there's a real reason for that, it's again, it's about quality, about about genuine quality. My some of my my favorite experiences have been free, where uh, and very invented uh, sort of sort of theater, very low budget, um, and uh, it's interesting with music because because there, there's so much skill required to achieve the absolute highest level, and discipline and and dedication and 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 so on. So it's not quite the same, I think. Although theater again is is incredibly craftful uh business. There we go. Sorry, dragging on far too long with that. But no, yeah, music this rule, yeah, for for everybody and create and finding ways for people to be creative because it's so good for people. And once you get people's voices at, into the room, you can find quality. You you can find the best kind of engagement. The stuff I want to listen to all the time.
0: This this takes us back to the beginning of the program in a way, in that, you know, what is it that gets the best out of people and creating something yourself? You make you make investment then into the process as opposed to just to be be told what to do and i was at a friend's house recently reading a book about or just a, <clears throat> maybe it was just the, the preface in the first chapter about good management and they were making the point that the top-down model doesn't work but nor does the bottom up and actually the best organizations are cells of of individual creativity and people working in small teams where each of them invested That's harder to do, but it's also much, much harder to break. I I think the the big problem with all this is that and why your talk about outreach is so difficult is because for years now, about I mean, decades now in the UK, our state music education funding has just been withdrawn. And we all know this, but you can have all the charity projects you like in the country, but they won't they won't um, replace exposing everyone to music at school you know if there's a charity thing that you go to and you have the chance to take your child to that's great but at school everyone did it when I was at school I was at state school everyone played an instrument violin recorder or whatever everyone did something Mm. that's exactly right and we we take
5: we in schools we play so much um Priority, if that's the right word, on physical education, on on kids getting active and, and doing swimming and running and playing team sport, collaborating, which is right. That's not not to say at all. But th- something like music does all those things for the mind, doesn't it? The collaboration, the individual creativity, thing reacting in the moment. All those things are hugely valuable. And this argument that um, that music is you know. Inc- improves other scores you know improves people's performance in math and english that's great fine but it's also learning music at that early stage connects us to a, a stream of creativity that lasts you know the duration of the human race and feels much more valuable than just you know i also got better
0: marks in math yeah it's very strange that that you know physical education is is seen as part of a child's upbringing for obvious reasons that we we all get but that mental development and the mental health benefits that involvement in the arts bring is somehow treated as an extra I I don't really see is it because the is it because sports bring in more money I can't believe that's actually the case well maybe it is I don't know but I mean look a quick shout out to all those who still do teach music in schools respect to you and for those who work in the many organisations around the country who are, who are flying the flag.
6: Yes. And also, also just sort of very quickly, Robert, artistic institutions are still work very closely with the Royal House Learning Participation. And they're they doing a lot of teacher training in creativity in teaching. So even if you don't teach music, but you teach maths or science in a creative way, you know, I think there's some fantastic work going on in that sense.
5: Yeah, there are fabulous things that I know the Aurora Orchestra have done, have created basically a syllabus that you can just take for a, for a school class project so non-specialist teachers can teach music. And um, Just finally, I don't know if this is the right sort of thing, but I've presumably all of us have a moment when we heard a piece of music and can remember hearing that piece of music and it, in some sort of way, changing our lives. Do you, wanna, do you guys want to talk about that?
0: Theme tune to Bod. I was four.
5: Yeah. Here comes Bod.
4: Here comes Bod.
6: Tom? Yeah, I can't (laughs) I can't for Tom that's gonna sound um no I, I there's lots of lots i mean there's stuff you know de- the old desert uh, disc things is always interesting isn't it what you take um what value i can't i don't know i've got a quick answer for what really influenced me uh, my sister and i had a co- huge competition about we we're going to be competitive about mozart but which was our favorite and so we listened obsessively just to be incredibly competitive uh the mozart 40th symphony was the one i did and i used to make oh, up nice. stories to it yeah so yeah, yeah sorry, oh smart. the trouble Pond.
0: with all this oh actually sammy have you got one yeah. no you. <laughs> I, I, I should have, have said that <laughs> yeah it's like being on tour with you when you're doing lists and you <laughs> oh, yeah. and you ask you ask your five favorite this that and the other i'm not sure i've ever seen yours the the trouble with all this is that we are quite literally preaching to
5: yeah, the
0: course. choir so let's move on to a final super short interview robert quinney mentioned a young singer just out of the department here in york uh, who's been singing at new college this year ellie stamp and quite by chance Eamon Dugan of this parish was working with her at Rydale Festival in North Yorkshire on an opera project over the summer, Blows, Venus and Adonis. Uh, and he spent a few minutes with her. I have to say we normally edit out the glitches and restarts in this sort of piece. But going back to where we started, the, the particular energy and adrenaline that, that happens when you just come off stage in a stage performance, as these two had both come off stage, they were slightly adrenaline full. I thought it was funnier to leave the whole thing as it arrived from Eamon.
4: So I'm here with Ellie Stamp. We're in Malton in Yorkshire. We've just finished the third show of Blows, Venus and Adonis at the Rydale Festival. Ellie is a graduate or an alum of Genesis 16, uh, a graduate from York University where she studied with Robert Hollingworth. sang in the 24. And uh, so Ellie, I'm just gonna put you on the spot. So, Ellie, (laughs) what are we going to talk about? I don't know. I, no, here's what we're going to talk about. Ellie, (laughs) Ellie, here's what, Ellie, here's what we're going to talk about. This is your second opera at Rydale. Yes. Yeah, and the two shows that we've done, Aces and Galatea. Yeah. And Venus and Adonis by John Blow. Mm Mm-hmm. Two Baroque operas. Yes. What's your, like, what's your take on Baroque (laughs) opera just from this from this this experience,
7: <laughs> um, I would say it's yeah i've really, really enjoyed both um, both of these shows. I think the thing that is that i 'm learning to do more and more, and that i 've enjoyed exploring the most is just how much you can lean into text when like coloring your words using your voice and also just how much you can treat your vocal lines as if you're speaking so like having the boldness to really inflect each word as if you were talking makes it a much more effective um performance and that's really fun because it kind of seems counterintuitive often in singing lessons you're taught to um, obviously really sing through each line and each word which you still need to do um, but being a bit braver with text and um, yeah leaning into the natural inflection of words is, I, is really fun.
4: I like that about it being counterintuitive because I've been on everyone for the last two weeks to speak more and sing less. Yes. Sing less, speak more and and it's so true isn't it? Yeah. That actually um, that's what gives it that's what gives a lot of it is sort of natural inflection and flow, as yeah. you say. That's a hand dryer because we're sat alarmingly close to the toilets here. <laughs> Did you know any of this music by John Blue before?
7: No, it was all totally new to me. I listened through to the whole kind of opera start to finish just before I started learning all the chorus parts and it is awesome music. I'm surprised that I hadn't come across it before. Everyone else seemed to know it. But, yeah. um, it's
4: very, very powerful stuff. Yeah, isn't it's it?
7: amazing, especially the last movement. It's just awesome
4: yeah in this performance today that we've just done, I was struck by just how, in the moment the chorus were uh, I found it incredibly moving actually and that's that's a big journey to take isn't it in a relatively short space of time uh, from so we only started rehearsing two weeks ago, and it you know we didn't rehearse every day by any by any stretch um so there's been a lot to take on board. You had to dance in this show as well as sing and move around and be a shepherdess and a cupid. Um, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot to cope with, isn't there?
7: Yeah, and I think what this, um, what doing Rydale Festival twice now has taught me is the importance of the nature of um, the relationships you have with your colleagues, because. I now feel incredibly close to the other singers in this particular group. And it does mean that you can just be, like, take those extra risks on stage and be that little bit more vulnerable in those really special moments because you totally trust each other and you know that you'll, you know, have each other's back on stage and things. And it means that um, the performance itself is, can just go um, a little further and, you know, hopefully be uh, more emotional, To be involved in as a singer but also for the audience as well
4: and that's when it's real as 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 soon as you've got that emotional connection it reads to those of us who, who are watching it let's have a listen to that last chorus from venus and adonis
5: So that's the choir of Clare College, Cambridge, with the orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment um, playing the final chorus of John Blow's Venus and Adonis with René Jacobs at the helm. That, And you're on that, aren't you? Mm. Yeah, this is... I mean, we're talking about, you know, fo- se- seminal formative moments. I remember being in the sessions for that, which I don't... Th- well, I know that hi- historically weren't entirely happy. Um, but I remember the guitarists, it must have been Dime Miller and a couple of others, improvising some on some ground in, in in the Dido, which we recorded in the same sessions, and just thinking, I, was, I, must, I must have been about 20, and just thinking, I, did, I had no idea that, you know, Baroque music could be like this, it, it, having sort of been brought up with, with jazz and that sort of improvisation, I hadn't realised that the tradition just
0: goes way, way back. Baroque and roll. It says choir, Clare College, but it doesn't sound like a full choir to me in that final chorus. I'm just wondering, because I'm sure I can hear John Bowen.
5: That's that. right, he was...
0: It was that model of, you know, um, soloists near the there microphones and the choir far away. So that, uh, might, that might be it. I yeah. see. Isn't it interesting that we started the episode with you, Sammy, in New York, talking to two established opera types and finished it in Malton near Old York. Contributors talking about how one could give most of oneself and be most vulnerable and expressive when feeling most supported by colleagues.
5: Yeah, so we, I think we often forget this, and and at our peril, that whenever we do anything creative, we're we're putting ourselves on, on the line in some way. And I think I think you know it's, it's it's always priceless to be enabled to do that in a in a safe way. I suppose.
6: I I, 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 I think being. Being, being, treat yourself, and I really loved what Robert said, um, what what Sammy said. uh, Both both said wonderful things uh, about uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, about caring, you know, and then finding a way in in the most in in the most imaginative, creative way you can in any moment back yourself if you care enough about it to find a way to 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 get what what you think is going to really work for people. So that's it for that
0: episode. My dog is scraping at the door, wanting a, a further walk um Tom thanks for stepping yep. in uh lovely to, to hear your insights um yes, Sammy, thanks not me. nice to hear yours though and session uh, we'll, 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 we'll be back in two weeks uh, uh learning about the music um actually at a very vulnerable moment the entire program recorded immediately as we came off finishing that uh, four choir benevolly recording which is coming out shortly thanks for listening just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via choralchihuahua.com. Thanks.